Dad Bod Rap Pod. We, like all of you listening, are going to die. Um, it's Strong a, start. Yeah. Happy, yeah. happy uh, Sunday, guys. Happy Sunday. Um, <laughs> we're here recording on a Sunday, um, working on the Sabbath. It is us, the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be morbid just to be morbid, but I think that we, um, especially in this kind of fake live forever society, we really get bummed out about death, but it's like, you're going to fucking die. Like, off top, that's the one thing that's absolutely going to happen to you. Yeah, we were ta- I was talking to somebody on Friday, and they were we, they were like, death, and t- we were like, yeah, yeah, those are the only certainties, death and taxes. He's like, I haven't paid my taxes in like 20 <laughs> years, but I'm definitely going to die. <laughs> it's it's true. The Grim Reaper uh, outpaces the IRS by, by a great <laughs> margin. Uh, my name is Damone Carter, uh, a.k.a. Dem One, Struggle Rap Artur. Um, I'm going to die, just not today. Uh, joined, well, hopefully not today, joined by Nate LeBlanc. Nate, what would be your morbid death moniker? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Necronate. <laughs> Necro. Ne- Necro. Necro. <laughs> Counting my, Nate Crows. My horrorcore adjacent raps on ha- Uncle Howie. No. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll work. I don't know. I never really think about rap monikers. No. Um, they did a, one of those stupid things like, what's your your favorite fruit and the last oh, I reason saw you took painkillers is your band name. <laughs> oh, right. And man. mine was Nectarine Recreational. <laughs> <laughs> Off top. I thought that was pretty that funny. Is your, that is your indie band. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, performing next week at uh, at Cafe Stretch. <laughs> I'd probably make it just Nectarational, though. Nice. Oh, <laughs> Nectarational. Nice. Um, and we're also joined by Dave Ma. Dave, your horrorcore name would be Dave Macabre. Nice. Thank you. Be here all week. Damn, dude. I feel set up for that one, guys. You did. Shut it down. You did. <laughs> Thank you. That's been this week's episode. It's good um, to be here, guys. Yeah, I, yeah. too, hope I don't die tonight, tomorrow. So we're on the same page. That's here. usually not your operating. <laughs> usually when you start out a night, you're like, eh, we'll Maybe. see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just died in your arms tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh. You never know when you're going to go, you know? Oh, like, she's a bitch. Oh. <laughs> so, so much death in hip-hop. Hip-hop is that one, not one genre, it's one of the genres that, like, really, like, keeps death right there. At right. the forefront. Right. <laughs> At the forefront of, of it's everything. Interesting. Keep, it keeps death there and keeps dudes young, though. You know what I mean? Fake young. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Well, there's so many, like, major figures who died. Yeah, so right. so there's this idea of like rapper mortality, right? Of like course. this this idea that yeah, like a lot of not well, I guess like a fair amount of our icons are like already dead, and guys, yeah. guys weren't in their sixties, like died, we, died really young. Like we don't have violent deaths. Yeah, right. And so right. so hip hop has a has a very close relationship um, with death. Also, like a product. it's the cousin <laughs> that <laughs> would be sleep. <laughs> um, and I got a lot of sleep's cousin this morning. Totally, <laughs> totally missed the uh, the World Cup final um, that I swore I was going to wake up to watch. Pretty exciting. Uh, the big thing on the Twitters today in our uh, dad bod Twitter feed was that Megan Rapino, the hero of the World mm-hmm. Cup, quoted mm-hmm. Nipsey Hussle rec- uh, yeah, lyrics yeah. in yeah. her IG caption. She is just killing it. And I it's know. like it's like Megan, you have an invite to the cookout. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> She's just pouring it on. 
like, saw this yeah, she's like, I'm here, I'm here at Essence Fest right now, <laughs> celebrating my. I'm like, Megan, you got it. We rock with you. Come through. I saw this hilarious image this morning. They replaced all the 50 stars on the flag with that image of her holding her <laughs> oh, arms really? out, out, like 50 of them. It was like That's so perfect. tight. I love it. I love it. No, this love this it. is. Uh, I'm a full bandwagon fan now because I watched same. about 20 minutes. No, 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 we we're on record. I think this is from last summer uh, about my fake soccer fandom. Right. When right. when you reach a World Cup level of anything, I would probably watch a, like a World Cup of cup flipping. Like right. if you if they had that World as a Cup thing, flipping. World Cup flipping. <laughs> yeah. That might be a thing. Yeah. How about soon. esports? Would you watch like World no, Cup of Street Fighter? No, because that's not a fucking sport. But <laughs> I know I know my son gets on me about this and I'm like, I, I have no problem with it until you start calling it um athletic or sports. Hmm. It's like kind of how cards became a big fucking right. thing on ESPN and I'm like I'm not watching a motherfucker play cards. <laughs> like I'm, I'm sure you're fucking brilliant. Well, it's competition. You know, it, so. Yeah, it's a competition. Darts is a competition, not a sport. Uh, Nate, golf, sport or no? Yeah, I mean it's treated. Like you a drive sport, in so a car a between the things. They don't. And play, <laughs> playing golf with your buddies. No, Tiger tough, doesn't tough get in a ride. A sport. No, they walk. Well, dude. You know, it's you a three-hour walk. What they, get... what they call it is a great walk ruined. A great walk uh, ruined yeah. by that's like an old by a wild proverb or something. Pointless game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't need to do Greco-Roman wrestling for it to be athletics. Dude. I just do it for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's weekends. Uh, Jiu-jitsu. That's good. Yeah, he has a gi on right now. Yeah, he's 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 ready for it. Um, so let me as a, as a brilliant segue, uh, where death, hip hop, and martial arts come together, uh, would be the immortal grave diggers. Uh, Riza, one of Riza and Rizarecta, Rizarecta, one of him and Prince Paul's most interesting concept the Undertaker. albums. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know Prince if I Paul like just that. Got for it Prince. from wrestling. Yeah, I don't know if I I buy Prince Paul as the Undertaker. Well, this is the closest to say um, uh, a De La meets Wu Tang album. Yes, you yes. know what I mean. Closest yes. thing we're ever gonna right. get, unless yeah. that like Americo Gasway guy <laughs> does like a mashup album. <laughs> <laughs> De La Tang. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Woola? Anyone? Anyone? Woola, la, la. <laughs> Terrible. Sunday, guys. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so, so yeah, we we had the opportunity to talk with uh, Fruquan from Grave Diggers. Um, and we also really dig the album, um, all three of us, which is not always the case on things. So Six feet deep. Six feet deep dive. A.K.A. Uh, neighbor Mortis. No, it's like it's actually it's it, the original working title was Nigga Mortis, and Nate was trying to relay this to me, and I, he kind of looked at me I'm like, like "You're gonna have to say the original title." And I'm like, "Why do I have to say it, Nate?" Dave and I cannot say the original <laughs> title, nor would we want to. Exactly. I Thank you. Your muffs on. I was not listening to that conversation. Okay. So we we had we had a moment, but we we worked through it. I think uh, six feet deep. Much better name than Nigga Mortis. Mm, um, much better title. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, so yeah, we had an opportunity to talk with one of the original members, uh, Fruquan, who was also a member of Stetsasonic, and I forgot that because I suck. Um, but he was kind enough to chop it up with us. We'll also be doing kind of our own reflections on the record, Dad Bar Rap Pod.
Dad Bod Rap Pod, we're back. Not dead yet, but you know, there's definitely atrophy fucking happening. Do you ever feel like um, like something bad happens, like your car runs out of gas on the freeway, or like uh, you you blow a tire and you're just like, it's cool, I'm not gonna die today. Yeah, well, because because you're you're you've you've gotten your bad luck. And yeah, I just it wasn't... have a sense of it. I'm just like you know, I I, I probably only thought I was gonna die once or twice in my life. And every other time, I'm like, yes, I acknowledge intellectually a bad thing is happening, but I know I'm not going to die. You're probably not going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I think in some ways we're at a, we're at a weird disadvantage uh, in this society because we will live longer um, than other generations. Knock on and wood. Knock on wood, if we're lucky. Um, and then you just become kind of a shit. Like, if you look <laughs> at our, like, our political situation, it's in part because you just have some baby boomer ass right, trying to hold on old to people assets. trying to hold on to power right, and attention right, and all right. this shit. It's like in times of the past, in the Great Deal, the the great what is it, the New the Deal, New Deal, in the New Deal era, you would be dead. Like right, it wasn't totally. like a bunch of fucking septuagenarians trying to vote right, on everything. Totally, right? totally. So I'm pro death. Um, uh, <laughs> pro progress, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're uh, and this this is interesting. Our our podcast is kind of about negotiating that, like <laughs> <laughs> love of hip hop and like death, right. relevance, Aging. right? But but that's in between, right? But your the birth of your love of hip hop when you were hot and relevant, right. and and full of imagination and wonder, and death. Right. Um, and we get, I feel in our, between that. I feel our guests are all on that spectrum as, <laughs> as well as we are. This um, is slightly off topic and maybe belonged in the intro, but, um, I'm at the point in my life where I'm friends with some older gentlemen and all of them are obsessed with legacy. Mm. They, they mm. want to either be remembered for something or mm. do something, um, to like leave, of course, to, like, leave, to a leave a gift. legacy behind. Yeah. Don't I, we all? I, I think so, but at some Not point... Not everyone. Really? Yeah. yeah you, don't, it, you don't think that sort of what we're doing is sort of to leave a legacy? Legacy work? I, I, I struggle with it because at the, at the end of the day, something newer and cooler is going to come around. Like when you're... you're you being discovered uh, after your death is like pure fucking luck. Like that... There's no... Unless you've built like... Okay. Stevie Wonder has a fucking legacy, right? right? Like he's a body of work that will live forever and ever and ever. Everything else is so toss up. I look at the things that kind of come back in vogue and that people gravitate towards, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. almost like random. it's hella random. Yeah, yeah it doesn't make course. any sense. But I want to like touch on what you're saying, mm-hmm. Dave, because I think your way you approach journalism is to leave these evergreen pieces. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do, I do, I do. Legacy so, pieces. Yes. So I'm but projecting I, a little bit. I wouldn't say necessarily for myself, mm-hmm. no. No? and Not in that way. Like, I, I don't know. I think... Um, it would be great if what we did was remembered, but I'm certainly not counting on it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Um, Nigger Mortis already said again. <laughs> uh, so, so we, um, <laughs> we all love the Gravedigger's first album. Yes, we're going to uh, kind of treat it like deep. a one album project for the purposes of this right, segment. Right. I, yeah, I, 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 I forgot joints, they had other releases. I have joints totally. on the second one, and Do I you? can't remember if I ever told this story on the pod before, so I'll tell this story really quick. When I was a teenager, I used to work at Long's Drugs, which is now CVS, and I was like really cool with my coworkers. Like We would hang out. So I worked on Halloween once, and we all worked till 10, and I invited everybody who worked that night over to my, my parents' house at the time. I think they were out of town. Um, and I was like, yeah, you guys come over. Like, um, I have some Halloween music I'll play you. <laughs> and the Grave Digger's second album had just come out. And so I put that on and we were like drinking Coronas or whatever. And, uh, the guy was like, 
oh, this is cool. I thought you were going to like play like some haunted house sounds. Monster like mash. Some, ooh, monster ooh, mash. Ooh, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, dude, that's dude, not what I had in mind. I, I, that's absurd. That's yeah. wild because every Halloween I do this stupid exercise because this is who I am of thinking of like, yeah, what are the Halloween rap songs? So there's always Mind Playing Tricks Nightmares. on Me. Nightmares. Nightmares, right. Dana Dane, exactly. if you're of, of a little bit older generation. Right. Um, Nightmare on My Street. Right, uh, right. Which is right. not a Jazzy fave Jeff. of mine. No? No. You're more of a, you saw my blinker, bitch. I know. <laughs> um, so I never think of, probably because they made a real ass album, I never put Grave Diggers in that kind of, you know, I'm not playing Diary of a Madman right. when, when the kids pull up, but right. I might now. now. Now I have to consider it. You certainly could. Yeah. No, it, it, it would definitely be on brand. Do you give out good candy or are you like a Raisins? Pencil, raisins, guy. raisins, <laughs> pencils, pencils, and peanuts. Um, Razor blades, dude. Who are the people that that give out the drugs? Like I've been hearing this right. for years and years and years, and I've never opened That's a Snicker. Untrue. No one ever right. gives away drugs. Uh, people who buy drugs don't give them away. Right. You know what right. I mean? It's people who don't use drugs who come up with that shit. Yeah. I'm just like, dude. I I live for this some acid inside of like a right. you know what I mean? Treating, <laughs> some sweeties. Absurd. That would make the night. The I'm low on razor blades. Let's go. Like, that's absurd. <laughs> but uh, still a reason for me to, to rifle through my children's candy. No, um, <laughs> no, Halloween jumped the shark. These kids don't fucking walk around. It's like seven kids. You buy 84 right. packs of candy and seven fucking kids come over and none of them know RZA. Right. So <laughs> what is the point? I it's don't. Pro- it's probably deemed old fashioned now, right? It, it is a little bit. I think like, it's a victim of helicopter parenting, right? It's yep. like you don't want your kids wandering the streets, right. like especially yep. not without you. Yeah. Yep. And then you can't get into like shenanigans when your parents are that's there. That's true. That's true. And it's rough the, streets of Santa Clara. I mean, <laughs> you know. Dave taking it back to his uh, <laughs> to his to his youth. But um, so your 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 long story. Then this is like ninety six ish. It was the second album, so yeah. it was like two thousand yeah. something. There's or a couple cuts on that something. one. Yeah, that's Were what I'm saying. There's some joints on Were the second okay. one. Like, uh, I think literally everyone two. except for Prince Paul is involved. Yes, is that exactly. it? Exactly. Okay, and then in the second ones, it's just too poetic and fruitful. One. So it's, it's, RZA. No, no, I think RZA. I think no, he's gone by then. I think RZA's yeah. just the f- RZA's on the second one, not the third, not one. the third or fourth. Are we talking about the third? I thought we we're talking about the second. Yeah, yeah. sorry, no, yeah. no, That's just after that. Got yeah. it, got yeah. it. So, so it's kind of like this, and and Fruquan talks about it, the origin origin story, pretty pretty well. But like Dave said, it's this kind of magical pre-Wu-Tang moment where the Prince Paul's kind of De La skit energy and really me and Dave were talking when, when you were taking a deuce, Nate. Um, <laughs> we were talking about... So it was a long conversation. <laughs> yes, it was. More fiber. Um, so we were talking about is this... Was Gravedigger's uh, the RZA's way of really killing off right. the Prince Rakim right. character? Do you know what I mean? Like I he went so like, far. How much farther, yeah. Could he go? I I hear what you're saying. I don't. I think yes, kind of, because the whole point of like both of these projects was to get out of that. But right. like, imagine a world where Grave Diggers becomes what Wu Tang became. That's I know. wild. You I know, know what I that's mean? Wild, like, that's yeah. a totally different world. Totally. totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, because really, and I I tried to brush on this in our interview, but really, it's the birth of the concept of of horrorcore. Which is mm-hmm. not something I'm into, but and definitely a thing. something I think they did purposefully. Right, no, right. What it really is, is this kind of animation and cinematic telling of, like, Nation of Gods and Earth's principles. But, but, but through a horror movie lens, which through, is so a, fascinating. Yeah. Like, it, right, right. It, it, through and, demons and guts. and uh, Yeah. You know, but not yeah. even as much as, like, the Ghetto Boys. Like, if you mm. listen to it, it's not that. It, it's violent, it's but it's imagery. like. 
it's more like Seventh Seal than like Freddy Krueger. Okay. You know I mean? okay. 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 I can agree with that. Yeah. I it's can like, agree it's, with that. It's macabre, and there are there is gore, but it's not it's not a ton of gore. Okay. I think it looks the the imagery of the album is so striking it makes you think it's worse than it is. Okay. You know what I mean? And, okay. and probably really really tame right. by the by well what came after what it. came after certainly it. we were talking right. about necro and like ill mm-hmm. bill and stuff like that that's way grosser than any gravediggers thing and then icp right. is kind of the most like mainstream uh, interpretation I, I don't know of what it. you call right. it like they take it to this like extreme right carnival of the souls if you will okay please don't yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible yeah. yeah but but it was interesting to to hear fuquan talk about um it is grounded within the real kind of five percenter um, logic and it's all kind of a, a a metaphor which i'm kind of like did i get that at the time so did i i, 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 did I think for me it was like a like a suburban consciousness thing like i'm a suburban white kid so i was like yeah everyone around me is the mentally dead like mm-hmm. none of these people have are creative or have any you ideas. Wrong, like though. i need i to, know where you're from to be the person that like uplifts them you know what i mean like okay. i'm not a five percenter by any stretch of the imagination but like that um reasoning mm-hmm. resonated with me so i could see that yeah and it and it's it's interesting especially after watching the wu-tang doc to understand how those philosophies are so central to the RZA, the whole mm-hmm. Wu Tang Clan, totally. and then to also understand that Fruquan and um, not so much Prince Paul. You get the feeling that Prince Paul's it's just all like, a joke I'm, to him. I'm, right? I'm here. Right. I'm in it for the skits. Right, like I'm here right. to, you know, this right. is all kind he's, of. If you the, look at the production credits, you'd think RZA had a big hand in this. He kind of didn't. Really? It's a it's a Prince Paul album. Mm-hmm. Okay. RZA did some stuff, and I just want to finish my joke. If uh, <laughs> Grave Diggers became what Wu Tang did, the Statue of Liberty would be so clean. <laughs> <laughs> Only people who you had to watch the documentary to get that. <laughs> to watch the documentary, which is our demo anyway. So you guys totally got that. That's um, so yeah, so it it was a it was really an amazing album, and unfortunately, I do look at it as, as kind of a one off. Um, it is type it is. type of moment because although they had subsequent releases, I don't think anything kind of captured. Right, right, and that was the the core group, anyways. I yeah, mean. yeah. So it's it's one of those um, kind of unfortunate. Uh, thank you. Doobie Brothers kind of situations right, where right, the, right. the lineup kind of evolved and but you know I mean you know when things kind of come together and it's just magic I mean that's one of uh, uh, this is one of those it's out- captured outcomes yeah it's it's a captured magic um, maybe we won't do our our full retrospective porn uh, no no format. track by track. No, I've, I've gotten a little feedback on that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah? I think it was Southern Playlistic broke everyone's back. When we <laughs> we did the, all 25 tracks in real time. Most exciting way to talk about a record. Yeah, yeah. I could give some generalities. I, I think this is one of the greatest hip-hop records ever made. Okay. Agreed. Top 10 for me. Um, and it's like, it's one of those things where it's like you tell everyone you love Wu-Tang, but like what I really love is Gravedigg. Yeah, like, I, I love Wu-Tang too, but like this, this album just means a lot to me, and I think that it's... Uh, even though it's so highly rated among like nerds, it's mm-hmm. not really thought of in the conversation of great records. And to me, it totally belongs. Totally, there. totally. It hits all those spokes of what makes a great record, especially a great rap record. Yeah, it it's it's got you have incredible artists involved, both production and lyrically. You have a unifying concept. So mm-hmm. probably, mm-hmm. if I'm gonna rate it, I'm like it's among hip-hop's greatest concept album. right so right, like right. It, and it has a ton in common with psychoanalysis which was prince paul's yes. 
attempt to Solo. not not kill a persona, but to kill his career, right. which ended up resurrecting <laughs> it. Which I think that whole like that's cycle so is very yeah. apparent mm-hmm. on this record as well. Yeah. And that's another hugely important concept record for me, and I know for Dave. Who who is who is who's Prince Paul's Hollywood um, equivalent? I was trying to figure this out. What Prince film? Because he reminds Hollywood me of a filmmaker. Equivalent. What is his? Is he the Robert f- Townsend? Hmm. Wow, <laughs> that's a good one, Nate. Your cookout tickets were printed already. Did... <laughs> he went. He that's went a there. Good one. Similar no, eras, a lot of underground hits. Humor. Known to a lot of humor. humor. Yeah, known to the wow. mainstream, but just barely. Okay. Right. Okay. That's, that's my call. All right, and, and not just humor, but like self-deprecating uh, humor as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. Kinda goofy as well. A little bit goofy. Who? Who's my guy? Uh, God, I can't remember. He always works with Bill Murray. Life Aquatic. Who did that? Uh, Wes Anderson. I, I kind of like there's a quirky the right. the similarity and the quirkiness right. kind of gives me like you know you know where you're in a Prince Paul thing right everything's like a crafted jewel box right right Here's right the guy with the dioramas Italian voice. right yeah Italian so guys so it's kind of like um, when I look at the Gravediggers album it's the best of Prince Paul's quirkiness but like the darkness of what RZA brings sonically oh sure like sure. that marriage I don't we never got that again right you know what I mean I know. close so yeah. it kind of is part of what makes this album special. Um, there's some legit kind of skit interlude things that really tie things together. Right, nothing right. feels nothing feels extra. Like right. why'd you guys and do all that? the rapping is just so fitting. I mean, you know, like MCs obviously have like a short sh- sort of shelf life, but these guys killed it on this project, both of them. Totally. Yeah. Um, there's a it's like fun to rap along to, but also hard to because mm-hmm. the cadences and like the inflection just deliveries are like. Right. All over the place. Right, like right. there's a ton of different flavors yeah. and styles. You're, you're exhausted after doing a verse. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think RZA gets enough credit, him especially, for being kind of wild off beat. Like it's his own rhythm. Like he has his mm-hmm. own rhythm and he cadence. Does. And on we the, all on this album especially. Yeah, I, I like the wild. It's, it's kind of like this wild staccato uh, mm-hmm. thing, but. Yeah, it, focus. Yeah, <laughs> and also the the mis, the mispronouncing of words. Yes, I think Riz yeah. is actually the god of that. Totally. Um, and it, yeah, it just all works here. I think for me, the track of all tracks of this of this album is Diary of a Madman. Like, love that one. Um, I love the in, them. so many of them. The, all the, the introduction. I just kind of remember uh, me and Tracks a Million having like a, a bug out moment, you know, because there's a whole skit in the beginning, and then the the beat gets started, and you're like. Ah! <laughs> but but it was like even some of those samples you knew already, but the way they were configured kind totally. of like ah I know genius yeah yeah uh, so we encourage uh, folks who aren't up on this record I think it's I think it's okay to say it's kind of of the Wu Tang universe like it I certainly that's is. the way I think it about certainly it certainly is you know I, what I mean I, I felt like it should have been in the Wu Tang documentary just a little adjacent the only thing was I think they used some of like the unused shots from RZA's publicity photos for this right right they're just like the right lightest hint totally. and, and again okay. and again but ten minutes of fucking silver rings nah. you know what I mean <laughs> right. I, can't, I right. can't get right. there's no they have not one minute of red man but we got fucking yeah. silver rings chaining uh, changing accents. <laughs> So right. So <laughs> all of a sudden he's like a British dude from yeah you know, yeah. later. That yeah. Made me laugh, dude. That's yeah. really funny. So so we forgot where he was. <laughs> it was kind of interesting to hear Fruquan talk about the the kind of how it dissolved and like without he didn't take any shots. We're not going to be messy about this and right. say he dissed anybody. But he kind of talked about how by the time they're coming around to the third album, um, and you know. 
Prince Paul and Riza are com- like completely out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting that like such a dope concept. I think if they were a rock band, they'd still be together. Mm-hmm. Like rap, rap has this weird thing, something so original and unique and mm-hmm. that spawns so many other things. Rap is, I think, one of the few genres that's just kind of like, meh, we're done with that. Was last year? Like we're not we're not fucking with with yeah. that anymore. You know what I mean? So it's it's this weird, in a way, it's maybe the greatest disposable album of all time. Mm. It's like almost all the you know the luminaries involved walked away from greatest it. Greatest disposable album. That's a good. That's a good topic. Yeah. Uh, and perhaps we'll come back to it on a future uh, Dad Bod Rap Pod. They, I mean, also had to deal with a lot of you know untimely deaths as well. Yeah, so yeah, like, which, is, which is yeah. which is which is kind of unfortunate and like the wave again to our, our theme about death. Right. This idea of like um mortality and like what do you do? I think about this with Slum Village because obviously I'm I'm a Slum Village stand, but um yeah, I think about that with Slum Village and I go, God, two of the the mm. foundational members are just gone. Like yeah. how do you and they still perform and stuff, but it's it's kinda like um for a, a number of reasons, this is like one of those albums where I'm like, why can we just get more of this right, like yeah, why right, th- why didn't right. it ever you know keep moving but and it the the answer is because rizzo became like one of the most famous people in the world totally, <laughs> totally, totally. he didn't have time for this Blue basically wear. the other thing worked right Blue i just want to tell one brief story um i went to new york when i was much much younger let's call it like 21 um i went to the sound library for the first time which was like a very influential record store mm. and uh, i bought a two poetic 12 inch one of his tommy boy 12 inches and like i don't know if you guys have ever seen this but they had their promos were stamped for a-list djs only okay with, with the like song title and the thing i still okay. have the record and i just thought i was so fucking cool man like, and Nate I, was like that's I, me I was like that. now that i have this stamp that's what i am like you're like um, it's me evil d yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the two poetic song is called peace of mind and you can like kind of tell um like the reason gravedigger started is because tommy boy mishandled all of their careers mm-hmm. like it's gone over in the woo documentary and prince paul is very vocal about it mm-hmm. um for a long time now but it's like um this track does not suit his style at all right. like if if right. if the his best work is gravedigger's this kind of weird 12 inches just like what are they doing totally, like it's totally. basically hip house like oh. it's just it's just not it's not like the right Thing, and I don't know here. why. <laughs> <laughs> to all I the hip house why. fans out there, I'd like to apologize. Any of for them the... were like, who was A and Ring these records? Right, like, right. who made Prince Rakim the Lover Man, and who made right. Too Poetic the Hip House Guy? Totally. Like, what are, What are they doing? Uh, a dude from New Jersey, right. um, a mountain climber. Who yeah, plays electric, guitar. <laughs> electric guitar. Um, but 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 see, here's the thing, and it it definitely relates to some of what Fruquan was saying. Is this idea of once, you know, money, corporation, industry gets involved, once you're a commodity, um, I think rappers are kind of viewed as these interchangeable things. Nobody's going to take Jack White and be like, yo, we need you to do a hot R&B record this right, summer right, because that's right, what's hot right, right now. Right. But they will come to a rapper who's like, hey, you've had 20 right, years right. Of, of a legit career, but now like put on a shiny suit mm-hmm. and do this because this is what's hot. Right. And and unfortunately, we as rappers are also kind of prisoner. A lot of us are prisoner to like you want to be of the moment. Right. Well, I mean, there's right? a lot of culture vulture shit going on with that. Yeah, you know for, sure, I mean? for sure, for uh, sure, and, and all angles. Right. Um, uh, but you know, 
Gravediggers, it was an amazing. The first album, Six Feet Deep, is an amazing record. Amazing. We encourage you to check it out. We we like it as much as we hate Iron Man. No. <laughs> <laughs> the a, Iron that's Man a deep cut. That's yeah. a six feet deep cut. Yeah, the nice. the the Iron Man controversy. Um, definitely funny, but it's like when we when we kind of come together on on a singular record and kind of feel the same way about it. I'll, I'll, you know, there's some weight behind that. That's something. Yeah. <laughs> That's something. Yeah. Also, when we hate the same record. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Good, not great. I don't hate that record, but I hear you. Uh, no, no, we're firmly in the reactionary <laughs> anti anti iron man. In our heels. Yeah. Forget it. This is this is uh this is how the brand works. Um. So, we're we highly suggest that you check it out. Um. Fruquan definitely is still active. You know what I mean. So we we props to him for coming on the program. Talking about kind of a difficult history, sure, um, right, with, right. You know, so yeah. shouts out Thank to him for his for, candor for, and for, honesty and time, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so so we're uh, you know, we are archivalists in a way, um, trying to kind of keep um, records like this alive when there's 22 records coming out every Friday, and there's a lot of dope <laughs> shit. There's a there's a lot of dope shit, but I definitely would strongly encourage folks, um, and I don't even say this a lot too. It's like Sometimes old heads want you to listen to records just to pay homage to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't believe in that. Like, when I was coming up, like, I didn't listen to the Cold Crush records. Like, right. You know what I mean? Mo- you know, Cats was like, oh, you got to listen. You got to know. You have to-. It's, it's more like uh, you have to pay homage to what was important to me. Right. Um, right. Over the years, I've been able to go back and look at things just a little bit more objectively and say, this is a groundbreaking breaking record. And I think with Gravediggers, that's what this is. If you go back, even, you know, it's not super current, um, although surprisingly current. Like, right, right. Coasting through good. it, cool. it still sounds good. Um, the, the beats especially, I think, are, you know, on par with some of the stuff Almost that you would greatest. dig now. Yeah, so I, I think it's worth an objective re-listen to if you haven't heard it in a while. Or if you're um, – we need a, a name for our younger – dead bods we need <laughs> we need like uh who who are for that that sliver of the 30 and under demographic we need a name for them me and my son were going over this <laughs> every real uh thing has a name for their fan base so we're gonna work on that Young but for kids th- with a dad bod future <laughs> bod future, <laughs> bod future. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, for I was damn. going like this whole other direction. I was like, pull out bods. <laughs> that doesn't sound good, but you guys know what I'm saying. Pull out gang. <laughs> pull out gang. Uh, they, I got jumped out in 03. Um, uh, but for the bod future, folks, please. Oh, please, we're, we're using that's going forward. That's yeah, hilarious, yeah. dude. For for our bod futures, uh, please go check it out if you haven't. Um, for our our, our tougher than leather uh, dad bods, you know, <laughs> maybe a time for a revisit. But as always, you can count on us to dredge up uh, all of the dope memories of your formative years. We are the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Dad bod rap pod, once again, always dope guest, 
folks who were on Monumental Hip Hop Records today is no different. On the line, we have Fruquan. Uh, you probably know him from his work with Gravediggers. How's it going, man? Oh, everything is good, man. What's good, man? I mean, you know, you got to remember before Gravediggers was, um, you know, first original hip hop bands. That's the Sonic and all that kind of right, stuff, man. Right. We, we oh, back. okay. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, stand corrected. That's right. So that's a Sonic <laughs> for. Uh, for our younger listeners, I think Nate and Dave were about seven <laughs> when Stetsa came out, but uh, but I definitely remember all that. What uh, where are you calling us from today? Just to give us a, I'm calling you from the deep south right now. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. That's what's up. All right. Well, uh, greetings from the West Coast. We're definitely uh excited to have you on the program today. Um, we are huge fans of the uh grave diggers first album um can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with that project and and kind of what that was like well um you know in regards to grave diggers you know you're dealing with the gatekeeper right and you got to remember it was four elements in the grave diggers it was uh principal who was um the founder of uh, De La Soul, and plus he was the DJ for the original hip hop band, mm-hmm. That's Sonic. Um, who was the Undertaker? Uh, you had a uh, poetic, um, who was too poetic. Uh, back in the days when Tommy Boy, he became the un- um, the Grim Reaper. You got um, Prince Rakim back in the days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, Before, this predates Wu-Tang, you know, back in the days, um, you know, and he became the RZA of Gravediggers. And, of course, me, uh, Fuquan, the gatekeeper. So, you know, basically, um, you're trying to to go back 30 years. (laughs) Uh, uh, You know, like, um, you know, basically, we was all... um, you know, um, just uh, how you call it, free agents. Okay. You know, but then again, we was all associated with Tommy Boy Records. Mm. And one way or another, we was artists on Tommy Boy's, then we became ex-artists on Tommy Boy. Sure. You know, so... Uh, were you also, believe- like, not feeling the way they were handling your career, like, is kind of well-known with uh, RZA? Um, well, um, if you're talking pre-Wu-Tang back then, you know, when we was all putting this together, you know, after being ex-artists on Tommy Boy, um, you know, basically me and Prince Paul was pretty much the last, mm. you know, to leave Tommy Boy with Stessa Sonic and all that kind of stuff. Okay. You know, um, Prince Rakim, who was the RZA, he had his shot as a solo artist. I guess it didn't work out. Uh, Too Poetic had his thing. Um, you know, it did good, but I guess it didn't work out. But, you know, Sonic was, you know, Sonic um, kind of put a little um, authority into, you know, the hip-hop culture and Tommy Boy records, so it was an investment for that back then. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So after all that said and done, um, you know, uh, Prince Paul was always being creative, you know, being that he was dealing with a De La Soul and all this kind of stuff. Um, at this time, um, let's say Prince uh, Prince Rakim, who was now the RZA, was kind of venturing on an independent thing, experimenting with Wu-Tang Clan. Mm. 
you know, when when Grave Diggers already began its journey into formulation. Okay. You know, so Grave Diggers predate Wu Tang for right. those who don't know. Can you uh, you know so can you tell us so, about the day you met Riza and sort of um, you know, how that was like? How how did he strike you and you know how that came about? Well, uh, you know, uh, we all met over Prince Paul crib about in um, Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Prince Paul was from Long Island. Um, uh, too Poetic, The Undertaker was from Long Island. Uh, Prince Rakim was from Shaolin. I was from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So basically, we all hooked up over Prince Paul crib, and um, we was just experimenting to a degree where to see if we had the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then again, you know, we was all indiv- uh, independent lyricist so therefore and you know we grew up in the state of you know new york in regards to having culture having the consciousness growing up you know within the nation of gods of earth things of that nature mm-hmm. so basically we already knew about time we already knew the seriousness of reality in which people wasn't seeing mm-hmm. nor caring about so therefore you know prince paul already had the production he had the beats Mm. You know, so it was up to the to, uh, the three lyricists to formulate the creation and form um, in regards of concepts and which way we want to go. Because being that we was already well-known artists, I mean, for us lyricists, um, it made no sense trying to come out biting somebody because, you know, growing up back in New York, you know what I'm saying? You had hip hop, which consists of MCs, mm. you know? To a degree, whereas in that time, MCs battled biters. So you had biters who try to steal other guys' flows and rhyme styles. Right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we didn't want to come out biting nobody's stuff. So we already um, pretty much just uh, dealt with the reality in which we was living under the conditions how we was growing up. And, you know, it basically we already knew how to construct vision lyrically mm. you know so therefore you know we just put together some things so we said we're gonna do do something different but make it hit the reality of the mentally dead mm. so basically you know we grew up having consciousness knowledge itself things of this nature whereas we trying to teach the rest of our people who are deaf dumb and blind yo there's a different way of living there's a better way of living and to, in regards of us not trying to compete with society Whereas we have to manipulate envy, hate, lust, and greed in order to get attention or in order to have some kind of authority in the music or film industry. Hmm. Because basically, profits is made off of sex, lies, and drugs, violence, envy, hate, lust, and greed. All this stuff sells. You know, so Hmm. we did grave diggers. We wanted to open up the mentally dead, you know. Just wake them up to the reality of something that's going on. You may see on TV, but it's a reality to some people because they live it. So, so you had grave diggers is like a metaphor, right? You're you're waking up the mentally dead, but a lot of right. folks also look at it as the the persona that you guys were kind of working in. This idea of horrorcore or horror rap did that really cross you guys' mind at all that you were starting this kind of a, a genre, a new genre of rap? Um, well, you know, what was deep was that, um, it had to be something in regards to, we wasn't biting nobody. This is us. This is what we do. So therefore we had, we had to establish ourselves as 
leading by example. So therefore, yo, we grew already. We already grew up. We already knew an idea in regards to creating an identity because we did it individually. I did it with a band. Prince Rakim, Poetic, did it solo, uh, sololy. Mm. You know what I mean? So, um, therefore, we already knew how to do this. We already knew the vision. We already knew the concepts. And the thing was that in being that now, we operating in the corporate form of music and entertainment, you had to be placed with a label. Right. And it had to be a brand in which... Uh, company or organization can sell to the public, to the mass. Right. Okay, so therefore, Grave Diggers is what we called ourselves, but our meaning was significant in regards to the ghetto right. and how we grew up in the hood in regards to now connecting and being attached to the music industry, we got a vision. They had their own vision, so therefore they labeled it horrorcore. Mm. You know, in which pretty much, if you look at it visually, it looked like it's some hardcore stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like you know, it's dealing with demonization and all this kind of stuff. But basically, what it was, it was smart psychology on our part as far as being artists. You know what I'm saying? So, and and, and then again, you got to remember, it caught on. It yeah. caught because yeah. it was something new. Yeah, right. It was, and you know, everything else was watered down. So therefore, it had to be something in the circulation to bring out a new spark. At the same way, at the same time, Wu Tang did right. when they came out. Right. It was something new, different, and yo. And you know, without separating or dividing the West Coast from the East Coast, we all in this as one because this is our property. This is what we did. This is our creation. Right. So we can't separate and divide y'all from us. That's that. That was our thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because we speak for the masses, but yet you know you got corporations and company etc. Whereas you know they want to keep the element of confusion going on to a degree whereas they can profit. So therefore, you know, there's the East Coast versus West Coast stuff. And regardless of what who did in what part of town, you know, there was always a stigma to it when it came to being classified through the corporation and or companies mm. in order in order to market it to sell. You know, so therefore, you know, we already knew what we was doing. We represented and we just came out with Grave Diggers. We just said, yo, we're going to deal with this. This is what it is. Um, and at the same time, over Paul Crib, we just laid down about four or five songs in one night. Oh, wow. Okay. Just, you know, we came up with a concept. Okay, yo, 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 yo. One cup of blood. Yo, you right for this? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, just come up and be creative. So right. basically, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't hard for us to do because it basically it's a challenge. We dealing with concepts. This is what hip hop re- represent to a degree. Whereas now, you know, where hip hop represented MCs and biters and battling, it's been codified through the corporation and all companies in the music entertainment and regard as rap music to a degree. Whereas you no longer have MCs, you have rappers. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, if you understand the system of how everything done turned around and been flipped, but then again, you got to remember what kind of profit do we make as the inventors of music that is now controlled by companies and or corporations, whereas now they pick they puppet to keep the masses of the youth dumbed down so that they can profit. Right. Mm. Okay, so this is something that they know they master it. 
And yet, you know, we're not trying to fight against it or challenge them or stake some kind of claim to a degree where, yo, you got to let hip hop be hip hop. You can't try to transform into rap music and all of a sudden, you know, you got all these unknown ABC rappers or uh, uh, wannabe thugs. You know, this is the new image now. So it ain't dealing with consciousness no more. It's not dealing it's not dealing with the awakening of the masses. Right. It's a continuation of a dumb down of the unintelligent. It's about partying, getting high, and doing drugs. You know, before it was, you know, I mean, it's to a degree, whereas now, if you look at it, with rap music, you got more gangbanging going on now with rap music than you did with gangs back in the days when you had hip-hop because there was a responsibility that the artists took mm. to a degree where they said, yo, we got to do something about this, man. This stuff is getting out of hand. So we collaborated in this self-destruction. Right. There right. haven't been no self-destruction no. since. <laughs> you know, and we in, and now we're in the period of rap music. It is no longer hip-hop. It may be called hip-hop sometime for those who want to use it, but it's not, it's not actually what it is. It's like Trump saying what you're seeing and what you're hearing is not really what it is. Right. So, right. you know, it, it, it's that kind of concept. So, did you, know, you, so did, you, did you see that shift happen um, kind of after Grave Diggers comes out a little bit? I'd say a couple years after that, we start to go in kind of the jiggy um, era. Or is a little bit parallel. When when do you see that shift happen? You talk about from from hip hop to just pure kind of corporate generated rap. When when in your mind does that actually happen, the switchover? Um, I think it happened when like I said, there's no beef between East Coast versus West Coast. Okay. The thing is that the East Coast was representing conscious Conscious hip hop, I mean, always dropping science, dealing with some kind of terminology to agree where, yo, yo, when you're here in the club, that's my joint, but you knew the lyrics. Right. It ain't just, just rocking to the beat. You sung the lyric, you know. Um, and at that time, when East Coast was doing conscious hip hop, hip hop already spread it, hip hop was spreading, it was beginning its journey across the, uh, the globe. Mm -hmm. Okay, to a degree where if it started in the East, it got to the it got it got it got through the Midwest and got to the West, but the West came out with their concept of hip hop music, okay. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't dealing with the same concepts that the East Coast was doing. But they was trying to do it because intellectually they didn't no disrespect, you know. But the intellectual thinking process was not the same between East Coast and West Coast. Mm -hmm. West Coast was living a different kind of life in the degree whereas, yo, they grew up their whole lives under the colors of red and blue. Okay? Um, that's what it was. So, therefore, it wasn't like the non-red and blue brothers and sisters out there wasn't doing their thing. It's just that they didn't have capital to start investing in themselves, whereas the cats in red and blue was already hustling. Right. So, they already had the capital. You see what I'm saying? So therefore, this is what came out. But then again, now it's been introduced into the corporate, into the corporate entertainment entity. Whereas you know these artists out there, these labels is looking at these artists now and saying, "Yo, yo, there's a market for that. There's a market for that." Right. But you know, um, what 
we call hip hop that West Coast was 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 uh, um, manifesting was de- uh, reconstructed by the corporate entities and music industry, and basically it was nothing the same as the East Coast, and to a degree, whereas yo, we're gonna make this the official sound of hip hop now because the East Coast has already did they think. Right. So now y'all y'all representing this now and gassing these guys head up to a degree where there was no communication between the artists from the West Coast connecting with the East Coast artists and saying, yo, man, let's get together and let's um let's 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 just do something all together. You know, this is ours. We did this. Right. This belonged to us. This is for us by us. Right. You know, so it wasn't that kind of thinking because you always had a third party intervene. It's like it's like something I always say in the entertainment industry. There always there's always a beginning. There's there's all there always there's always a before. There's always an after. Mm-hmm. Many groups come into the game talking about yo, we blood brothers, we bond. <laughs> Can't nobody yeah. separate us. We gonna do this, but after they get the feel into it, and then all of a sudden the exposure. Now all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, um, 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 their global perspective of parameters and degree of people they know now they're being influenced to a degree whereas now yo this blood thicker than shit water ain't working right now yo right, because they right. want me a million dollar deal <laughs> you know what i'm saying whereas you know but that's the part of separating and dividing when it comes to the corporate world and third party associations you know into a into a group which means that now all of a sudden there's somebody now who's already being hyped up to think that they're better than the rest right. of the crew. Right. It, it, which is why nowadays you, you don't see a lot of crews. It's like actually a lot of individual uh, artists in the game. But I, I don't, I don't want to let the interview get away from us without um, giving you a chance right, to talk right, about right. <laughs> giving you a chance to talk about uh, you have Yo, some I new got material. Time. I got time. I got time, bro. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you making the time. What, tell us a little bit about um, your, your newer work. Um, well, you know, yo, you gotta remember, okay, um, Grave Diggers did Six Feet Deep. Right. Pick Sickle on the, Pick Sickle on the Shovel. Yep. Um, after those two joints, when I was already previous speaking about, there's always a before and after. Right. This is when the process started the before and after, you know, because mm-hmm. you got to remember, third album Grave Diggers put out was Nightmare A Minor, minus RZA and Undertaker. Uh-huh. Okay, these cats ain't want to have nothing else to do with Grave Diggers because now all of a sudden third party, ent- uh, third party entities done intervened into their consciousness and done separated them from the whole. Mm-hmm. To make them think that they better than the rest. But, you know, um, okay, after that, um, me and Poetic was holding down Grave Diggers. I mean, you know, me and The Undertaker was holding down Grave Diggers. No disrespect to, you know, Bobby Digital, Prince Paul, and all that kind of stuff, you know. But what's funny is that regardless of what individuals was doing individually, it still could have had something to do with the whole. Mm-hmm. Why just forget the whole? Why not include the whole when it was the whole who got you where you are today? 
you know, so it's like the, it's, it's, it's the way of thinking the individuals who's supposed to be so strong mentally and know all this, but then again, wind up being savages in the pursuit of happiness. Now, all of a sudden, you know, hey, um, somebody done brainwashed me. Um, they told me I can get this. I can get that. All they all they need is me. Mm. What happened to the, well, you know, what happened to us in the beginning? So this is the before and after stuff, you know. So I'm like, yo, if brother want to sell out and sell they soul, more power to him. I ain't grow up like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So all of a sudden now me, you know, now me and Poetic is doing grave digging. Poetic is suffering, uh, suffering from cancer. Mm. I didn't know that. You know, yeah. the Grim Reaper suffering from cancer now. On when we was doing Nightmare A minor, um, the uh, the third grave digger album. I'm, I mean, I mean, the brother was going through chemo and everything, man. I was, I was rooting for him and everything. I was there representing him and supporting him. But yo, it was like a, you talking about a brother who didn't want to give up his art of being an MC, but yet at the same time dying from a natural disease. Mm. You know, that was kind of deep. You know, um, next thing you know, my boy Poetic passes. You know, um, there's no sign of Undertaker. There's no sign of RZA. You know, I mean, like, now, Undertaker, I mean, uh, 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 Grim Reaper's gone. Now, it's like, it's the gatekeeper left. So I consider myself you know, um, the holder in due course now, because mm-hmm. I have to still represent. It ain't. Don't, it don't make no sense for me to all of a sudden now change something that I'm doing when I'm gonna just keep it the same because that's how I was respected. You know, to this day, I don't have no enemies. Mm-hmm. I have no enemies. I ain't never stabbed my brother in the back. Never shitted on nobody. I live a righteous life, man. And the thing, I mean, you know, brothers is looking for the riches. You know, I didn't grow up like that. I grew up like, yo, the greatest riches is the knowledge itself. Mm. You know, I know who I am. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of the history. I'm proud of everything that was done, you know, in the name of our people or whatever it is, however you want to put it. People can be proud of their people. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, but, you know, I'm holding down grave diggers as the gatekeeper. And, you know, since then, it's like, you know, I put out a couple of singles, um, um, my air like um, um, into the graveyard chamber, one cup of blood, um, blood sellouts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. I mean, okay. yo, so I'm still representing grave diggers. I ain't doing it on the grand scale. I, you know, with no major label backing or anything like that. Right. I'm, I'm just putting it out, just still to represent hip hop because I'm held, I'm held responsible for it as an artist. We, we definitely, uh, <laughs> We appreciate you uh, really taking a stand over a 30 plus year career going from Stetsasonic through Grave Diggers to the present. Um, and we appreciate you making time to be on our program. Uh, where can folks, where should folks look for you? Um, I mean, besides social media access, yeah, you could um, hit up Quan Bay on Facebook. Okay. Um, you could hit up um, Grave Diggers underscore Gatekeeper. On Instagram, you can hit up Fuquan at Twitter. You know, other than that, you can go to SoundCloud and hit on uh, Grave Diggers. Right, and man. you hear the newest joints. You okay. hear the newest joints. Um, and um, there's still more to come because I'm, I'm finishing up the album now. 
right, and right. um basically it's you know you know another thing is that a lot of MCs or a lot of past artists now has basically um forgotten what it is to put together albums in uh hip hop music. Yeah. Because now yeah. they coming out biting biting <laughs> other artists when you was part of the foundation of it. Right. You know, not to mention um, you know, artists is coming together and they're collabing because they don't have the the concepts of putting together a whole album lyrically as one individual, right. as an MC, you know. So it's like, yo, you're getting old now. You're tired. <laughs> um, 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 um. You know, uh, your flows ain't as strong as it was in the beginning. Yeah. And and basically, you got other artists on your label now. So therefore, it's not really your song. It's not your album no more. It's a collab. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, yo, I still think I still write. You know, so therefore, when this Grave Digger album, it's the gatekeeper. Like, yo, these bars is all gatekeeper. These flows, yo, ain't one song that I've ever done through my history of hip-hop music that I had the same flow. And that's one thing I'm proud of, yo. Lyrically, I still got it. Ain't nothing changed. (laughs) That's wrong. Ain't nothing changed. Ain't nothing changed. And I still go at it. I still go at it, yo, and this is just, yo, like I said, man, this is a responsibility, man. I'm one of the OGs. You could say, you know, people call this, yo, you a legend, you a, yo, yo, you the most underrated uh, MC, yo. You know, it's like people be mad because, yo, yo, Fuquan, why you ain't getting recognition? I'm like, yo, I'm not worried about recognition. Mm. I'm just, I'm, I'm building. That's all it is. I'm, I'm, I'm basically, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm I'm leading by example. And, you know, that's yeah. about it, man. Yeah. With the, you know, another thing is that with DJs and radio personalities like y'all, y'all the ones who's helping the continuation of hip hop's legacy. Because y'all ain't sell out and stop playing hip hop just to please other people who pay you under the table to play their artists or stuff like that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So y'all ain't sell out. So I mean, it's a combination. It ain't just it ain't just the artists. It's the radio personalities and it's the DJs too. That's how responsible too. Yeah, yeah. No, we 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 all got a part to play, and we're really glad that you could come on our show and kind of share a little bit about your history and your perspective. Uh, we encourage everybody to connect with Fruquan on social media. And yeah, man, just thanks a lot for coming on the Dad by Rap Pod. Yo, I appreciate y'all, man, and yo. I got to come up there one day so we can do this live, man. Let's do it. So when That's I'm in good. town, definitely, you know, definitely. I'm like, yo, yo, matter of fact, when the, when the, when the new music come out, yo, y'all going to get the exclusive. There oh, it is. Oh, thanks, okay. There it is. Appreciate Dropping that, bombs. Man. All right, y'all. Fruquan, appreciate it, man. Be well. Peace. No doubt. Thanks. Y'all be safe, man. Save the babies, yo. Yeah.